Amen. Amen. Well, take your Bibles, turn to James chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 12. We're going to be talking again um, about the worst member. And you know, I think I did the same thing I did before, Sheila. I think I picked up the wrong... No, I didn't. I keep having to send Sheila to keep a check on my sermons, but it's the right one. You know, the tongue talking will get you into a lot of trouble, won't it? In fact, we said uh, last week that it, that it, the tongue, you and I are the temple of God's Holy Spirit. In other words, this is the church. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is the church. Okay, then as we did last week, stick your tongue out at your neighbor and say, and this is the worst member in the church. Well, you know, there's a lot of truth to that. Talking, tongue, what you, you and I say can get us into a lot of trouble. You know, they say that men speak about 20,000 words. I think I'm correct. 20,000 words a day. Women speak up to 30,000 words a day. I always say in marriage, you know, a lot of times what happens, a man, he's already spent his quota all through the day. When he gets home, he don't want to talk anymore, right? Ladies, they've just gotten started. Uh, in fact, one man said that his wife could speak 150 words a minute with gusts up to 180. Well, you know, I've known some men that talk to you. Do you know that you'll talk one-fifth of your entire life? Did you know that? Did you know that according to estimates, in one year, you and I will speak 66 books, 800 pages apiece per book? Imagine how many words that is. In fact, on an average day, if you took your, the amount of your communication and put it, it would be a 54-page novel that you and I are writing every day of our life. We said last week, your tongue is a concealed weapon, isn't it? In a lot of ways, your tongue can do a lot of good, but it can also do a lot of damage. Your tongue is the only muscle in your body that is attached at only one end. All other muscles are attached at both ends. Your tongue is, is not. It's the most difficult member in the church. And that's true. Jack Graham said this. He said, what is in the well will come up in the bucket. Isn't that true? You know, your, your, your tongue will say a lot. Jesus said it this way. Matthew 12, 34. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so that's what we're talking about today. So in James chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. So James automatically gives us a prohibition here. What he says is, he says, don't clamor to have a position of authority in which you're teaching, because when you're teaching, you're going to be held to a lot higher accountability. Did you know, everybody look this way, that you and I will stand, even as Christians, before the Bema seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ, and listen to this, according to Jesus, we'll give an account for every single word that has come out of our mouth. Wow. I don't know about you, but that frightens me a little bit. Chuck Swindoll said it this way. He said, why? Because teachers are responsible for teaching the truth, God's truth, not their own opinion, because the words teachers sow will affect so many lives, and because teachers are expected to model the truth they teach. That's why James 
chapter 3, verse 1 says, don't let there be many teachers. Because people are watching you. And they want to see if what, how you live matches what you say and what I say. Now look at verse 2. We will all stumble. We all stumble in many ways. In other words, James says, whether you're a teacher or not, we all stumble. Now, everybody listen. It's one thing for you to stumble. It's another thing for me to stumble. Say amen if you understood that. It is one thing for me to stumble. It's another thing for you to stumble. But there's a difference in our stumbling. We all stumble, but if you're a teacher or a preacher or you're in a position of authority, it will carry far greater cost if I stumble compared to what you're stumbling, right? In fact, I could lose everything if I stumble. Now look at verse 3, and this is where we're picking up today. Because in the latter part of verse 2, in fact, let's read verse 2 again. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault at what he says, he's a perfect man able to keep his whole body in check. Verse 3, when we put bits into the mouths of horses, we make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large, they're driven by strong winds, they are moved or manipulated or steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a what? It's a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body, it corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and it itself is set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, creatures of the sea, are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man, now notice that, but no man can tame the tongue, it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should be, not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt water, salt spring produce fresh water. Let's pray again. Lord, we thank you. We love you. We give you glory. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Lord, cleanse me. Let me be a tool in your hand. And in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. First of all, what James is saying, and there's three points here. Our tongues have the power. Now, everybody listen. Our tongues, your tongue, has the power to direct your life and the lives of other people. Does that make sense? And what James says here, he says, listen, you can take a horse, you put bit and bridle in that massive animal, that animal can weigh over a thousand pounds, and a child can lead that animal around. Willie came up to me, he was talking about showing me video of him at the camp and riding the zip line and everybody hooting and hollering for him. And, but he also looked at me and said, you know, Brother Jeff, I love horses and I got to ride a horse while I was at camp. Like I said, I've never seen a kid enjoy uh, a Christian camp any more than Willie Cox. <laughs> Willie, you're going to be a regular. 
But James also said, listen, he said, just like a bit and bridle will control the direction of a horse, and just like the rudder will control even a massive ship, he says here that your tongue and my tongue has that same ability. It directs your life, it directs my life. Boy, that is powerful. In other words, I wrote this down, it's critical. What you say does affect much of where you go and what you do in life and what others do. Let me ask you something. Do you self-talk? You self-talk? I do. Let me ask you this. If, if, we could put a, if we could put a tongue, a voice to your mental self-talk, would it be positive or would the majority of it be negative? Now think about that for a minute. Now everybody listen. Your enemy called Diabolos, the devil, the slanderer, is the accuser of the brethren. Everybody listen, look this way. And he's right here doing, corrupting all your self-talk. Right? And the reality is, is that if you and I are not careful, a lot of our self-talk, that voice inside of us can be, can be negative rather than positive. It can be discouraging rather than encouraging. In fact, I wrote this principle down. Your tongue has the power to direct your life even in your head. And it can direct the lives of other people. Listen to what John Maxwell said in The Difference Maker. In fact, listen. If you want to buy a book that I believe is one of the best books I've ever read is John Maxwell's The Difference Maker where he talks about your attitude and my attitude. Listen to what he says. He said most people, now here, listen, can remember the harsh words of a parent or a teacher even years or decades after the fact. Some people carry the scars of such experiences their whole life. Listen, I'm 67 years old. When my dad left NASA, born in New York, lived in Florida, traveled around the country when he was with NASA, when we moved to Yazoo City, Mississippi, I thought I'd died and gone to hell. I was that Yankee accent. Hey, you guys. The first time I said, hey, you guys, they all turned in and looked at me as if I were a leper. But listen, they did not scar me, but a ninth grade English teacher scarred me to this day, and I've never forgotten it. You see, the truth of the matter is he's right. Most people can remember the harsh words of a parent or teacher even years or decades after the fact. He went on, Maxwell went on to call the pain principle. He said, hurting people hurt people. Hurting people hurt people and are, and are easily hurt by them. He went on to say this, positive words can have an impact on a person's attitude and usually we can remember those who spoke such. When I was working on my doctorate, and you've heard me say this, the, the, the professor that taught, there were four per, per, professors teaching this counseling class. This professor wrote the textbook on the class. He called me into his office. Now, let me tell you, this is how much I believe in me academically. I believe that he was ca calling me in to fail me. 
And he called me in. You know what he called me in to do? He called me in to look at me and say these words. I've given you the highest grade I've ever given a student in all the years of teaching. He was the president of a seminary, of a college. He had wrote the textbook. I never forgot that. I can see it to this day in my mind. Do you have those moments? Do you have those moments when somebody used this tongue, used their words to build into you courage and strength? A moment ago, I met a young man, a man out here in our hallway who's here today, and his daughter is dating one of the young men in this church. And I looked at him, and I said, John, I said, John is a fine young man. And I said, John is a, an individual I believe he could do anything he put his mind to. You see, it, it means something. William Barclay said it well. He said, one of the highest of human duties is the duty of encouragement. It is easy to laugh at men's ideas. It's easy to pour cold water on their enthusiasm. It's easy to discourage others. The world is full of discouragers, William Barclay said. We have a Christian duty to encourage one another. Many a time a word of praise or thanks or appreciation or cheer has kept a man on his feet. And blessed is the man or woman who speaks such a word. Did you realize the power that your tongue has for good? One writer put a principle, he said, Your tongue, what you say, directs much of what you do and where you go in life as well as the lives of other people. Do you pour into other people? If you go to Cracker Barrel, you'll either sit there and allow the kids to destroy the table, leave food everywhere, and you'll tip some poor girl making $2.13 an hour. You'll tip her a dollar when she's working and doing the best she can to take care of you. And you're unappreciative, unencouraging, and my God, whatever you do, if you look like you've been to church, please mess your hair up take your suit off, put something else on, and don't affect the kingdom of God with that kind of attitude. You're far better off to look at her and say, thank you so much. We appreciate you taking care of us today. And let me tell you, my wife will look at a young waitress a lot of times and she'll say these words. She'll say, you know, you've got beautiful eyes. Do you want to guess the, the treatment that we get in Cracker Barrel compared to everybody else? There's girls walking around like this walking back into the kitchen. You see, that's the power that you and I have to take this tongue and to encourage and build one another up. Dwight Eisenhower wrote when victory seemed slim in World War II. He wrote these words in his journal. He said, I firmly determined that my mannerisms and speech in public, listen to this, would always reflect the cheerful certainty of victory. For every African American, this individual stood strong on civil rights. But listen to what he went on to say. In World War II, at a time when Hitler and Nazism seemed to be having the upper hand, he said, I firmly determined that my mannerisms, my speech in public, would always reflect a cheerful certainty of victory. That any pessimism and discouragement I might ever feel would be reserved for my pillow. I, am a, I adopted a policy of circulating through the whole force 
the military. I did my best to meet everyone from general to private with a smile, a pat on the back, and a definite interest in his or her problems. My friend, that's what every Christian is called to do. Sheila and I, years ago, we were going to a loan officer to get a loan on a home. That particular individual, vice president of an entire banking system, and if I, if I told you the bank, you would immediately know who it is. We sat there, at that time he was a president of one bank. He began to open up, he began to share with us, and then he called another individual, and they came in, and they began to share with us. And we spent, we spent an hour and a half talking to the president of the bank, that loan officer. We were sitting there, we were not talking nothing about money and nothing about a loan. And finally, the president of this bank, who went on to become the vice president of a bunch of banks, he looked at us and he laughed and he said, wow. He said, you have the whole time you've been here not mentioned your loan, but have only been pouring into us. Now what can we do for you? What power. How sad it is that sometimes we look like we're not on the winning team. I read the last chapter. Let me tell you, everybody, we win. I'm not, on a, I'm not in a losing war. We win. And I wrote this down, how sad it is that few parents learn this. Listen to Maxwell again. He said, a few words can change the way a person thinks of himself or herself and, listen, change the course of their life. How many times do you get a negative attitude about one of your kids? Hey, listen, there are some of you in this room, you are paving the way for your child to fell in life because every time you mention their name by your look, by your demeanor, and by the sound of your voice, negative, 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 negative. And you're charting their course and you're affecting their life. I even wrote down here, forgive me, but it burns me up sometimes to see some parents, even in this room, who treat their older child like they're an associate parent. They dump the responsibility of the siblings onto them. They hold them accountable. They rob them of their own childhood. They explode on them when there's a failure or a shortcoming. And it is not right. Be a parent. And understand that this right here is the ability to chart the course and direct your child in their life. And even when they're small, to look at them eyeball to eyeball and smile and say you can be anything you want to be. Or to recognize a giftedness or something in their life and say I'm so excited as I begin to think about what you'll be one day. And build into them because, listen, we've got a world that is ripping and tearing and discouraging them at every turn. You know what Ledge said a moment ago and a little while ago when he was praying in our men's class? He made this statement, undoubtedly, a lot of the camp was talking to the children about not walking in fear. 365 times God tells you not to fear, not to be anxious, not to worry. You know why? Because God said, I've got this. And every one of these children that fouled out a moment ago, they got, God has a purpose and a plan for their life. And you and I as parents, as teachers, as pastors, we're all grandparents, we're uncles and aunts, we're all pouring into their life. 
I'm sitting there with excitement as I look at these two little girls sitting there. You ought to see them. They're sitting up there on the steps. This, this, is, this is Isla and, and, and Winter. They're sitting up there. Just, they're, they're just excited. I said, are you nervous? They said, yes. And you know what I'm thinking? Could I be looking at my cardiologist? Could I be looking? Could I be looking at a political figure that may change the course of a nation? Could I be looking at a missionary that may affect a, a China or Africa? I don't know what I'm looking at, but I'm going to do everything I can to encourage Winter and Isla to be everything that God would have them to be, and encourage them. They don't need me to discourage. All those two precious faces, we have no idea. But James goes on, he says, the tongue not only has the power to direct, it has the power to destroy. Look at, look at verse 5 and 6. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest, forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. Boy, that sounds discouraging, doesn't it? When we left Florida and we moved to Mississippi up in the country, country people burn the garbage, right? You don't have garbage pickup. You just burn the garbage. So down there in the pasture, there was a place where we burned the garbage. And Dad said, now, son, you're a city boy. Now you're getting ready to be a country boy. And we were. He bought 25 calves. We had to feed by bottle. We got chickens. And we had a garden that stretched from here to to Pearl. I mean, from here to Vicksburg, it looked like. Uh, and he said, now, son, when you burn the garbage, he said, you got to stay with it. You want to know how many times I caught the pasture, the woods on fire? Twice. Second time, the fire was so big that we had to call the forest rangers. They had to bring in heavy equipment, uh, taking dozers and everything else, cutting a fire break. That's how bad the fire was. Do you think I learned my lesson? I finally did. Because dad literally threatened to take me to heaven a little bit early. He said, your mom brought you into the world, and I'm getting ready to take you out, son. Do you know when I think about that, I think about our tongue. Our tongue, our ability to speak, has an enormous amount of power. James said, listen, it's like a fire. It's like a fire if it gets out of control. It can do an enormous amount of damage. Do you remember the Challenger that blew up back in the 80s? School teacher on the Challenger. What was it, 73 seconds into the flight? You remember all of a sudden, even her parents, the teacher, I'll never forget her mom looking up. And when the thing exploded, she did not even realize in that moment that her daughter had just went into eternity. My dad's an engineer with NASA. I looked at dad, I said, dad, what happened? He said, son, he said, you see that thing there? That, Apollo, that Saturn V rocket, and the, which is the ones that sent us to the moon, and the rockets on that shuttle? He said, you see that? He said, that is a bomb, son. And he said, the only way that bomb works to lift that vessel off the ground is we have to control the explosion. 
He said the O-rings were exposed to extreme temperatures in January, a fluke winter, and he said, and they became unreliable, and the fuel went out the O-rings, and that thing exploded and took seven people into eternity. That's your tongue. If your tongue is not controlled, it can, it can do the same amount of damage. The Great Chicago Fire of 1871 was believed to have been started by a cow that kicked over a lantern. It killed hundreds of people in Chicago, destroyed 3.3 miles of the city, and seven, over 1,700 structures in the city of Chicago because a cow kicked over a lantern that started a fire in O'Leary's barn. You see, do, do you understand how dangerous your tongue is? Do you understand, parent, that one wrong word, one overheard conversation can forever affect the direction and the destiny of your child? Do you understand that? Do you understand, listen, irreputable, irreputable damage? which means that no matter, have you ever had somebody say something and they can't take it back and you never forget it? Let me give you an example. Preacher had a woman come to the door, knocked on the door. He came to the door, opened the door. He knew immediately who she was. This woman had created all kinds of gossip. She was a gossip. And she had made up a story of the pastor being involved with a woman in the community. It was nothing but a lie. She came under conviction. This woman came, stood on that porch, stood looking at that pastor, and she said, Pastor, all of it was a lie. It was not true. I'm so sorry, and I want to ask you to forgive me. He looked at her and said, Oh, I forgive you. He said, Hang on just a minute. He went back. He got a feather pillow. He took a knife. He ripped a big rip into it. He walked outside off that porch, out there in the front yard with this woman looking. And he shook that feather pillow out in that wind. And those feathers began to go everywhere. And he looked at her and said, the problem is you've done irreputable damage and you can never go back and collect how far it has spread. You know, Mark Twain said, a lie will go around the world while truth is putting on its shoes. So James said, listen, to be careful. You know, I had an individual here the last few weeks. They were on a YouTuber special on one of these uh, specials, and they said, what advice would you give me? I said, speak slowly and weigh every word. Imagine if every mom and dad, every grandparent, every one of us, every uncle and aunt, every individual that affects the lives of other people, imagine if we got up every morning and said, oh God, I understand that my tongue has the ability to encourage, to lift up, and to be positive, or God, it can do an enormous amount of damage. Lord, please help me, because that's the last point. Our tongues have the ability to direct lives. They have the ability to destroy lives. Our tongues have the, have the power to direct our lives and the lives of others. Our tongues have the power to destroy our lives and the lives of others. But our tongues are the most dangerous if they are not controlled by the Holy Spirit. Is that not true? You know, uh, he said it. He goes on down here, he said, you know, he said the tongue in verse 6 also is a fire, a world of, of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person. It sets the whole course of his life on fire. It itself set on fire by hell. Wow. 
James said it can defile the body. It can destroy the course of life. You mean what I say, what comes out of my mouth, can affect the course of my life? You know why some people never do well in life? Because they're so rotten negative. They're pessimist. They're half empty. Everything's doom and gloom. They're always down. They're always the victim. I mean, they pour them out. You know why they never go far in life? Because who wants them around them? Is that the kind of person you're going to hire in your business? You know, a Christian ought to be the most encouraging of all. That ought to be who we are. But James said here is that it has the power of hell. If it is not bridled by the Holy Spirit, in fact, one preacher I heard make this statement. He said, if you can't post Jesus' name at the end of your social media rant, then don't say it at all. Wow. Verse 7 and 8, he goes on, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, creatures of the sea are being tamed, have been tamed by man. But look at verse 8, do you see it? But no man can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. We can tame lions, we can tame tigers, we can tame elephants. We can tame a killer well. But James says we can't tame our tongue. Now everybody listen. Only God can. It is only when you and I bring our mouth and our speech under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, because he goes on to say this, listen. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, creatures of the sea, they're being tamed. They have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. You know what one writer called this? He said, our tongue is like a Jekyll and Hyde. We can praise the Lord and worship here and then flip somebody off on the way home on the interstate. And James said, we, you know, we, could, we can worship here, we can praise here, and, and we can get mad, and, and we can be using all kinds of profanity an hour later. We can be arguing and fighting in our homes, in our marriages, in our families. And that's when children see that. Let me tell you what that is. That's hypocrisy. They don't like it. And that's why they often walk away from the faith. Hey, everybody listen. I'll close in a moment. SBC, Southern Baptist Convention, in 1998, we baptized nearly 400,000 teenagers. In 2020, do you want to know how many we baptized? 20,000. The Southern Baptist dropped... From 1998 to 2020, in 22 years, we dropped 95% among baptisms among teenagers. Let me tell you why. Because kids are tired of seeing the hypocrisy of their parents and even their grandparents. If this is Christianity, I went to a home one time where they were in the middle of a fight. You know what their teenage daughter said? If this is Christianity, I don't want it. And guess what? She's been living in hell her whole life. You know why? Because her parents set the course of action. The direction of her life. I wrote this down. If your tongue is not under the lordship of Jesus Christ and my tongue, if we're not a slave to Jesus Christ, then we become a, a Dr. Jekyll and a Mr. Hyde. We become unpredictable. You ever say this? There's no telling what may come out of his mouth. You ever heard somebody say that? That should never be said of a Christian. We should always know what will come out of their mouth. Well, I've got to close. 
You know, he goes on to say this down here. He says, verse 11, Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree produce olives, a grapevine figs? Neither can salt spring produce fresh water. Let me end it with a, with a personal example. Um, Sheila, most of you know my wife's testimony. There's some of you visiting. Sheila was raised, she said I was raised poor. Uh, she said they didn't have a lot. And uh, so she said we were poor. And so we never were really anybody. And then she was dating at 14. She was married at 16. She was a widow by 19. And you know the story. In college, she gave her life to Jesus Christ and her life turned around. I asked her this question yesterday. I said, Sheila, name someone in your life who encouraged you. And she started off, she, she thought for a minute, she said, well, my first grade teacher, she was nice to me. I said, no, I'm not talking about teachers just being nice. I said, somebody, an authority figure who looked at you, saw potential, purpose, value, meaning, and, and poured into you. They encouraged you. She couldn't think of anybody. She said, my mom loved me. My mom would make a general statement like you can be anything that you want to be, but she said, I never understood why my mom hadn't let me date at 14 and why I was married at 16. She said, I didn't understand that. By 19, husband, first husband is killed by drug dealing that went bad. I said, Sheila, can you think of anybody? And let me tell you what I did. Let me tell you what I did. Let me, let me, let me illustrate it because this is so critical. We're sitting there, and it was like God said, encourage her. So I looked at her, and I had my Bible, and I pulled the 31st Psalm. This read at funerals. And I looked at her, and I said, you're the kindest person I know that I've ever met. She's crying right now. We both started crying. I said, you've gone with me all over the world. I've drugged you to Africa, drugged you to Europe. I said, we've been all over the world. In the military, I said, we've just, I said, you, you, you've just, you've always been kind. I, it was never, Frankie, it was never about color. It was never about gender. It was never about anything. It wasn't even LGBTQ. It didn't matter who she met. She was always kind and Christ-like to everybody. I never sweated her. I knew no matter what situation that we were in, she would always make me proud. So I just said, that. I said wow, you're such a godly, Christ-like kind person I said your kids she lost her sister two weeks ago today I said your kids all four of them came around you like a like a like a fence I said Amy Emily Legend Jeffrey I said your in-laws your daughter-in-laws your son-in-laws your grandkids everybody your church and many of you came to the funeral and many of you who could not come called and paid respects and I said you're so loved because you're such a godly, Christ-honoring woman who makes me so proud. I said, you're beautiful. You look 15 years younger than you do, than your age. Man, throw that in just in case. 
I just sat there and we both just cried. Because I want all you young people to listen. We don't know how long we're going to have each other. I had 99% blockage in the Widowmaker when they put a stent in. The only thing I remember when I was going to have that done, because I was literally about to have a heart attack on the treadmill, was I looked and I saw two big six-foot-three sons on each side of their mama. But if I ever give her up, I don't want to say all them things when she's gone. I want her to know them now. How many of us realize that one day we may not have somebody and we have the opportunity to use this tool in our mouth and to say to the people that raised us and maybe they, maybe, maybe they were flawed. We're all flawed. You young people, be patient with your parents because you ain't there yet. But is there somebody that God puts on your heart or is it just people in general? Do you need to be more positive, more loving, more embracing to say to people, you know, God, my mission for the rest of my life, I want to be an encourager. I want to use my tongue to set people's lives in a positive direction. Let's stand. Our Heavenly Father, we just come to you and Lord, we thank you and we praise you. Lord, we have an unbelievable opportunity, and that is to be an encourager, to be a positive, a positive influence in the life of people, to speak truth into their life, to say those things. Lord, there are times that we have to say negative things, but even in that, we can embrace it with love, with mercy, with grace, with even in that, a positive attitude. Lord, I spoke of an English teacher who scarred me to this day. But Lord, I also can remember those teachers. And I said it last week, Miss Lee, after schools integrated in the 1960s, I had an English teacher, an African-American, Miss Lee, a precious saint. She loved me. She'd laugh, shake her head. She moved my desk up there by her desk because I cut up so much. And she would look at me sometime, and this sweet African-American woman would say to me, Jeff, one day I'm going to read about you. You're going to be used greatly by God. You're going to be a great man. She didn't know that I grew up in a home where my mom had all kinds of psychiatric problems. She didn't know a kid that was sitting next to her desk was sometimes, dear Lord, laughing and cutting up because sometimes life could be so, so depressing. She believed in me. One day I'll see her in heaven. We'll hug necks and one day we'll talk about Jesus. Lord, I pray today if there's a man or woman, boy or girl, who's not a Christian, may they realize that they'll never be able to control their tongue. No man can control it. Only the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit can do that. We may quench that spirit, grieve that spirit, and may have to confess sometimes for the things that we say, but Lord, help us to bring it under the Lordship of Christ. Help every parent to realize that children are just pieces of clay that are being molded and made into whatever we're going to fashion and make them into. 
Lord, help us to realize that what we say can hurt somebody. It can forever affect their life, either in a positive way or a negative way. Help us, dear Lord, to weigh our words. And Lord, if we don't know Christ to come today to give our life to Him and to follow in obedience. And Lord, we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.